This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Before we get too deep into this show, I want to mention something to you. If you are around the noon hour on Thursday, join myself, Jim Suhan, and Lavelle E. Neal III for a discussion of this year's Twins Team live video on StarTribune.com. You can submit questions to me via Twitter at Randball. If you miss it by any chance, I'm going to turn it into a bonus podcast, by the way, that should get posted later today, you know, probably in the one o'clock, two o'clock range once that live video is over. So pay attention for that. Lots of twins talk in that. Twins at 14 and 27, the worst record in the American League right now. Coming up on this show in a little bit, Chip Scoggins will help me set up Tonight's big game, Wild Game 3 at XL Energy Center against Vegas. Chip had a good column in Thursday's paper and StarTribune.com about uh, Kirill Kaprizov and his local Russian supporters. Check that out as well. Also, we'll have my good internet friend Chickenfinger69 on the show because he could not possibly be angrier about NHL refereeing at this point. But first, what did I miss? Hey guys, consider me a fan of a gimmick. You know me, I don't like the baseball uh, runner on second to start extra innings uh, that they put into play last year and carried into this year. I don't like the seven-inning doubleheaders. One thing I do like, though, because it doesn't fundamentally change the game itself, I like, in fact, I love the NBA play-in tournament. Having watched it a couple nights in a row now, three things about it I really like that I want to share with you right now. Um, First, it gives more teams a chance to extend their season, right? Because you get 10 teams now, not not officially into the playoffs, but 10 teams from each conference, 20 in each in the whole league, that have a chance now to extend their season. Because, you know, the way the play-in tournament works, the top six in each conference, they're in the playoffs no matter what. Seven through 10 have to play it out in these play-in tournaments for two spots in each, uh, in each conference. It's a little bit convoluted, but it makes sense once you think about it. Seven versus eight. Um, they play one game, winner gets in. Eight, nine versus ten, they play one game. The winner of that plays the loser of the seven-eight game, and the winner of that goes to the playoffs as the eight seed. I get it; it's a little hard to get wrap your head around, but when you see it play out, it makes sense. So it gives teams more of a chance to extend their season. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think particularly if you are a Timberwolves fan right now, that should be something you're eyeballing next season. Like. Hey, I don't know if the Timberwolves are a top eight team next year, especially if they don't get a draft pick, especially if they're not able to make all the trades they want to make. But hey, you know, they were 16 and 20 in the second half of this season, you know, over a 82 game schedule that could put them in the mix for 35, 38 wins. Maybe they're a little bit better than that. They should be on the fringes at the very least of, of that, of that 10 spot. And maybe that's something that they can aspire to next year to get, to get at least in the mix to it to possibly be able to extend their season and get into the official top eight and the playoffs. So I like the fact that more teams have a chance to extend their season. I think it makes the league more competitive overall. I know there are still some teams that tank this year. That's just going to happen. You can't make every team good magically, but uh, it does give more teams something to play for as the season goes along. It also gives, you know, the really good elite teams, um, you know, it, it creates some separation between them and the bottom of the conference. It makes a top six finish extra incentivized, right? Because now not only are you in automatically if you finish top six, you get five days of rest, right? You get uh, the regular season ended Sunday. Home court advantage doesn't matter all that much in sports these days, especially you know when you consider that it's only you know, one extra home game. But that rest, that is a huge deal. Last thing, creates immediate 
postseason drama. Basically, every seven, eight game is like game six where both teams are up 3-2, right? Because the incentive in that game is to close it out. You're, you're through automatically. And the loser of that game essentially goes to what would be a game seven because then it's a winner-take-all elimination game. Same thing in the 9-10 game except in reverse. Both of those games are like 3-2 in a series in a game six, but uh, both teams are in the losing position in that point. So whoever loses is done. Whoever wins gets to go to what essentially becomes a game seven. We're going to see one of those tonight uh, with Indiana and Washington. We'll see another one on uh, on Friday with Golden State and uh, Golden State and Memphis. So I really like this play-in idea. I didn't know if I would, but uh, it's got some legs. I hope they keep it, and I think it's something that could not only benefit basketball but the Timberwolves next season. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to Daily Delivery. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist. Going to write the writing the advance column. It's uh, on startribune.com Thursday and in your Star Tribune Thursday, getting you ready for game three of Wild against Vegas. Let's talk about that story before we get into some of the matchup, you know, back and forth of this series. You went and watched game two um, with, uh, with, a, with a bunch of Kirill Kaprizov fans. Um, tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I had, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been thinking of wondering if there's a, a Russian fan group um, locally that, you know, is excited about uh, Kaprizov and the season he's had. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how big the Russian community is here in, in Minnesota. But um, so I, I contacted a wild and, and they said, yeah, but, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, a group of from this uh, couple guys from this fan group had brought over a we'll call it a poster, but it's a pretty cool, you know, professionally done pro, uh, poster that they had made um, to kind of celebrate his first hat trick that he got uh, in mid-March. And so I contacted them and they have about a, it's a Facebook group. Um, it's called the Russian speaking Minnesota wild fans. Um, and so they're, they're fans of the wild, but they're, you know, more so uh, Kaprizov and, and there's about 160 of them and they're hoping to grow it. And, and really the idea was one to connect and have, you know, friends to talk to, but more so to hopefully get the word to Kaprizov that, Hey, you know, there's a, a Russian community here and a, and a culture here that, you know, you're 24 and coming to this new place and you don't really speak English. Um, but there is a community here that, that you can reach out to that there's, uh, Russian supermarkets and restaurants and they have concerts and, and they're just, you know, basically a support group that, you know, you're not alone. You're not in this, you know, strange new place by yourself. And so, um, so yeah, I went and hung out with them and it's uh, a couple of the founders are, you know, really good guys. Uh, they, they've been here for years. They came over as college students. One was got his master's degree from Purdue in computer science. And one got his master's his MBA at St. Thomas and, they just kind of made this their home and um, really, you know, just the excitement of what Kaprizov has brought to this team in this market um, has really uh, kind of spread through their, you know, through their fan group and their kids are now excited about hockey because of Kirill. And um, so, yeah, I had a chance to be at the Cowboy Jacks in Plymouth Tuesday night and hung out with those guys. I mean, they, they've been wanting to get together more off, but obviously with the pandemic, it's, 
uh, prevented this. So that, so this is kind of like their first, you know, real big outing. And obviously at 9 PM puck drop on a work night is not ideal for that, but um, they had a good time and they all had their number 97 jerseys on. So it was, it was cool. That's good. I love that story. And uh, you know, unfortunately they didn't see exactly what they wanted to see. I'm sure in that game, yeah. Kaprizov, you know, shut out again and, you know, takes that penalty in the end that, you know, snuffs out any chance at a late rally, but a, a cool story nonetheless. And, you know, yeah. it's not like you know, Kaprizov's definitely had his chances. Doesn't, doesn't seem like the moment here is too big for him. So maybe he'll get it going a little bit more in game three. Yeah. And, 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 as, you know, I listened to Dean Epson's um, zoom call today before they flew back from Vegas. And it's, it's obvious when you watch the game that, and we talked about this, Mike Vegas put him number one on the list in our scouting report. I mean, they're giving him a ton of attention, really trying to be physical with him. And we saw that what late in the regular season with that one game where they really tried to rough him up to kind of get him off his game. He scored twice in that game, but uh, we saw last night he took another slashing um, or a cross check uh, penalty um, drew a reaction from the wild. So they're really trying to be physical with him. I think being at home and having last change, you'll be able to get the matchups that you want probably uh, a little more, but I, I do think he, even though he hasn't scored, I agree with you that it doesn't look like the stage is too big or anything. He's blocking shots. He's, you know, he's setting team up. So he just hasn't finished. Hasn't had a lot of shots. I think five and two games. Um, but I'll be curious to see kind of what adjustments uh, the wild make to get more favorable matchups uh, now that they have the, you know, shifts back here at home. Yeah. Good point on the last line change that definitely, you know, helps you offensively and, you know, you get more, more of those, uh, more of those golden opportunities probably against matchups that, that you like and getting him into those more favorable situations. Um, they're going to have to score more than they have so far. I yeah. wanted to bring this up with you. I mean, just, I, I talked about it on Wednesday's show, but you know, two goals in two games, even if they're playing at a certain level, I thought they played two smart road games and a split was probably a a justified outcome based on, you know, everything we saw in, in Sunday and Tuesday's game. But I also, you know, you start to get a little bit uh, of uh, of flashbacks of, of playoff appearances gone awry before, especially, you know, I talked about this 2017 where you got chances all up and down the ice mm-hmm. against the blues. And then you just get to the end and you say, ah, you know, just snake bitten. Like at a certain point you got to put the pucks <laughs> in the net uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, winning uh winning the chance battle so i, I i'm a little concerned that this this familiar narrative is starting to, to play out again yeah and, and i wrote about this as a preview to playoffs that kind of tied around kaprizov and that they finally feel like they have a true goal scorer and i didn't even put fiala in that in that category too but that, it that's the one thing it, it did drive me crazy during all those postseason flame outs that we heard it after every game and every series, like, oh, we got our chances We're right there. We're just knocking on the door. We keep getting ourselves chances. Like, yeah, but you have to finish them. I mean, that's the, the whole point. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's great to get chances, but you have to be able to finish them. And that's where I think, I guess I'm not as concerned maybe as you are, because I, when I, when I looked at those teams, I didn't see a lot of high-end finishers. Whereas I look at this team, I, I, you know, with Kaprizov, and I know he's a rookie and he hasn't been through the playoffs yet, so it's, it's still to be determined. But from what we've seen during the regular season in Fiala, I just feel like they have more high-end skill and guys that are more natural goal scorers. And so, yes, they need to finish them, but I, I, I think we do need to, 
you know, credit Flurry the way he's played has been dynamite. And, and Vegas is a good team. I mean, d- defensively, I think they gave up the fewest goals. Weren't they the best uh, defensive team in the NHL this year? So it's it's not as, as fast-paced as it is. And back and forth sometimes, I think we tend to think that might be a 5-4 type game or 5-4 type, you know, series scores, high score. But it's, you know, it's two good defensive teams. And so – it may be a lot of two to one games. Um, and so, but yes, they definitely need to figure out um, whether it's matchups or, or, you know, I don't, I don't know that Epson's going to uh, do any lineup change, but um, they get, they need to get uh, Caprice off more, get him going more shots, um, more opportunities. Um, and, and just as a group, they need to be able to finish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think I'm at the point of concern yet. It's just, you know, the two goals they have scored haven't exactly been, high-end finishes one was a screen one was yeah. a shot off a skate so you know they even if they do have these high-end finishers we haven't seen the result but absolutely I, I you know even when they got parisi you know even when they had you know some of these other you know some of these other guys like you know grandland you know nita rider had a little bit of sniper to him when when he was going well yeah, but yeah they, they've not had guys like fiala and caprice they can just flat out shoot the puck and just make an individual play that scores you a goal the way these guys do yeah, and I thought Fiala was outstanding last night. He was. He was great. He, he was. played. I mean, to me, the two guys that really stood out were him and Dumba. I thought Dumba really was engaged the way he was blocking shots. Um, I, you know, I love playoff hockey when you see a guy just throw his body face first into a, you know, a guy widening up for a shot. And he's like, you know, you just see kind of the will and the courage that these guys have to, to you know, sacrifice their body to block a shot, which I'm sure just does not feel good. <laughs> you catch one in the ankle or wherever. So, but I, I thought Fiala and Dumber were really great last night. And I think they've played two good games. I feel like they've been the better team. Um, Flurry has, it, it, obviously period one of game one, they weren't uh, right. <laughs> I played there, but you know, I love their start last night. Period two. I didn't, wasn't great. I didn't think, um, but I, I think they flying home today. They probably feel like they played two pretty good games. Yeah, they I just, agree. With, I agree with that. I don't know if they've. I don't know if they've had the better of the play. Maybe that's where we where we disagree a little bit. I think it's been pretty, pretty even at least. Yeah, I think, you're right. I think you're I right. Think, I think I I think the team that won each game probably wasn't the one that deserved to win each game. It, was, it probably would have been results wise. It probably could have been flip flops. I think that I think Vegas was probably on balance the better team in, in game one could have been up 1-0-2-0 after that first period and then it's a totally different game and then game two kind of felt like the wild tilted it in their favor you know even got the first goal eventually but but didn't get rewarded but you know they come home one one it's it's uh you know if you went in you went into the series and you said you're going to go back home one one i think you know both teams would probably say nah, okay i mean that's that's it's fine. Vegas probably would rather be up 2-0. The Wilder would say after we won game one, we, we, we had a chance to do that and didn't. But yep. it's kind of a neutral series at this point. And then game three, obviously, a huge pivot point in one direction or the other. Sure. And it, yeah, I think even's probably neutral is the right way. And it's I thought going in, this felt like a seven game series and nothing about the first two games has, has swayed me from that. I feel like this is going seven. I, I just feel like these are two even about as evenly matched teams as you can get, you know, yeah. and it, it's going to come down to, you know, you look at their um, Vegas, second goal last night. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Talbot probably would like to get his glove on that and, and crowd it cleanly. And it's just one little hiccup, you know, that's what, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Really. And um, 
So I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, attendance, what are we saying? 5,000 they're allowing in? Is that what it is? I, I hadn't seen for sure, but that sounds about right. Um, and that's a good point because it's, it's not going to be what it was in Vegas. No. So one, you know, I don't know what the difference between 5,000 and, you know, 9,000 is in, you know, in terms of volume, but I will say that watching those two games on TV felt about as close to normal as it's felt to watch a hockey game in a while. I just haven't felt that kind of fan energy or seen as many, you know, I know they put some of the coloring in the seats to kind of mask the empty seats, but even, even just the, the 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 kind of murmur the the din that you hear mm-hmm. from a, um, a from a bigger crowd you could feel that in 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 those games and you know that's that's just, that's a just more distinct home ice advantage that they have with the bigger crowd and they, and they do yeah and it's uh it felt it's weird because our our port of reference has been has been changed so much that it's it's amazing that nine thousand feels you know like a sellout like as rock as so can you imagine when these buildings do get back to full capacity, what it's going to be like and how fun that's going to be. And, and, um, but yeah, after what we've been through, that felt like a, a definite home ice advantage. Um, so I, I don't know what, you know, I, I assume it will be fairly loud in XL energy center Thursday night, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that has. If, if, if any. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got you here, Chip last thing. Um, I had Chris Hine on Wednesday's show. We kind of broke down all things Timberwolves. That season ended Sunday, so we probably won't talk Wolves for quite some time. I asked him, you know, I think the Wolves, if you if you, if you listen to Gerson Rosas, they think they have five guys. Rosas had an interesting thing that he told Chris, and it was in one of Chris's recent stories, that to have to feel really good about kind of where your franchise is headed, you got to kind of have seven or eight guys on your roster that you feel really good about your kind of core players. And you think he, he identified five that they feel like they have right now, which was the two rookies this year, Edwards and McDaniels plus towns, Beasley and Russell. Um, how do you, what, what's your take on that? And, and how do they get from five to seven or eight when they really only have about a 28% chance of keeping their draft pick this year? Yeah. And I thought that was very uh, enlightening too. That kind of how they feel about their roster right now, you know. Um, yeah, Jarrett Culver is probably like, that doesn't sound good. Well, I wonder how close Nas Reed is to being in that group. Yeah, I think I think Nas Reed is certainly part of the rotation, but I don't know if he's part of like your core. Like, your I, core, I feel like you think about yeah. your core as like not necessarily untouchable, but the guys that you're like, you guys. Any given night, I'd feel good about playing you 33 to 38 minutes. I just don't think Nasrid is that player yet. No, no, I, I mean, he's definitely a rotational guy. Well, if, if you don't get the pick, then obviously you're going to have to, you know, do it other ways, whether it's trade, you know, free agency. And we, we know he's been aggressive in doing that. Um, but I will say it was, you know, it, it's hard to draw concrete uh, opinions and conclusions when you're so far out of the race and you're playing teams that maybe quite honestly aren't throwing their best punch at you, you know, but, but I like the way some of the things we saw down the stretch. I like the way Edwards emerged. Uh, I like the way Russell uh, played with town, distributed the ball. I still think if they're going to be taken seriously and be a playoff team, they're going to have to become much better defensively, which be with, you know, a full training camp 
um, in off season and Finch is putting in his philosophy and his systems that maybe that will happen. But I definitely feel a heck of a lot better <laughs> about where they're going right now than um, when all those guys were injured and you're wondering like, how does this even work? Or, you know, this doesn't even make sense what they're trying to do. And judging from like all the exit interviews or that we heard from towns and Russell and those guys, I, I got a sense that there's a little bit of, um, motivation and eagerness for those guys to get back and be together and have a full run of this one. Cause it was just so disjointed this year. Everything was just completely disjointed until the last couple of weeks that I think there's, a, uh, you know, some excitement uh, within the group about kind of where they're going. So if they could get a pick, if they could get that pick. Then obviously I, if you hit it right, that would be a sixth guy that's in their, you know, in the, in their foundation. So, um, but I think they internally probably feel a bit better now having seen this group together and kind of a little bit of idea what you have. Yeah. And sports are weird. I mean, we saw, we've seen teams with high expectations that they don't live up to it. You see a team like the wild with came into the season. Let's be honest, not a lot of external expectations. And all of a sudden now they, they look like a team that's very much in play in here in the playoffs and with a chance to advance. So We'll see Chip Scoggins. Good stuff. Appreciate you hopping on Daily Delivery again. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch soon, all right? Thank you, man. I'd like to welcome back to Daily Delivery for the second time, first time in a while, not because I've forgotten about him or because I didn't want to have him on again. Um, Chicken Fingers 69 from Twitter, longtime uh, blog commenter, internet friend, and all-around good guy. Um, welcome. How are you doing? I'm all right. You know, I'm not that great a guy i'm okay i think you're pretty good but thank you i like you the sportive podcast uh you might recognize him from that as well but uh i i something you said um to me on twitter caught my eye the other day as it often does and you you are you know i'm saying i I think i tweeted something like the wild should feel lucky to Mm -hmm. to have split with vegas and what i meant by that wasn't that they didn't deserve to win one of those games. Cause I think based on the way the play went, I feel like one, one was about justified. I guess when you score two goals in two games, it was more of my point, two goals in two road games. You probably, you don't win a lot of times in that scenario, but um, the larger point was from you that you were upset, maybe not specifically about calls, but about the way officiating in the NHL is evolving. Now I, I don't watch games with, the you know the presupposition that referees are criminals and part of a vast that's, conspiracy to ensure the failure of Minnesota teams, but you do. That's so, a mistake. Mm-hmm. Chicken finger sixty nine. I gotta ask: Have you ever been more angry about the officiating in in a hockey game? Uh, I've never been more angry about anything. I know I say it a lot. I know I say it often, but this time I mean it. Never been more angry about anything in my life. Um, and I know what you meant about it um, about fairness. Uh, but as is my want, I took what you said, shifted it completely, and, mm-hmm. and morphed it into what I wanted you to say. You don't take um, like a 180 on it. You take like you go like 120. You take it as far as you want to go without like yeah. completely twisting it, which is good. It's, right. it's a subtle art. It's subtle art. Sure. Um, so I think what I am frustrated by is watching these NHL playoffs and specifically the Wild. Um, what I see is an evolution. In, in hockey, in NHL officiating towards what I call uh, an NBA style of officiating in the sense that I see um, Kaprizov 
getting, you know, just absolutely manhandled. I think I, I call them a Russian pinata. They're, you know, hacking him every chance you can you see. If you see uh, Peter Angelo, um, just give him a, a cross check shiver. Um, should be a penalty, but, um, you know, Petrangelo or however you want to pronounce it is, you know, one, is a established veteran, won a Stanley Cup. Um, an established, in a sense, star in the league, and Kaprizov isn't. And, um, you know, the NBA, I think that's the style that you see of officiating in the NBA. Now, the NBA isn't for me. I, I'm not one of those hockey fans that, that hates the NBA. I'm indifferent towards the NBA. Sure. Um, it, you like it. You enjoy it. I'm happy I that you enjoy it. I, I, don't, I think we spend a lot of time on the Internet being upset about things that other people enjoy. Um, as so long as it doesn't impact me and my enjoyment, I don't care that you like the NBA. Um, you, the issue, you, care, you care that I don't like Justify it, though. I do care. That's it's silly, silly that I, you don't like the television I, show. Justified. And I admit, I admit, I need to give it another try. I think the problem was, and I think you even have told me this that it's a little bit of a slow wind up. That once you get several episodes in, then it really that's when it really kicks in. I think so. I think that's fair. So I hope that you give it the, I'll, I've given the NBA far more chance than you've given just. That's fair. That? That's fair. All right. Um, so, but, but your larger point is a good one that you feel like the NHL has evolved into this kind of class or star system where there's only one penalty called on each team or one power play, at least uh, for each team in, uh, in that game of the night until Vegas gets one very late uh, when Kaprizov gets the gate for tripping. Uh, there's a, that's a fair call. Um, well, he, he, it's he a definitely... fair in a sense that that same play had been made elsewhere, especially throughout the period of a number of plays that were obvious penalties that look, if you're going to put the whistle in your pocket referees, that's fine. I'm okay with that level of hockey, that style of hockey, but then you can't suddenly take it out of your pocket with what it was a minute and a half left. Yeah. And, um, it, it's either put it in your pocket or don't. And just because it was, I think it was Marcia. So, who in a sense is, is, you know, a more established player than Caprice, I think. Um, okay. So now you got to make the call. Well, that's silly. Now, again, the NBA, I don't care you know, if you like it, that's great. Just don't have it impact my game. And I, and I, I don't have it impact the NHL. Um, and I think I, I worry that that's what the NHL sees the popularity of the NBA and is starting to kind of go towards that. Um, let's, let's give breaks to established stars, to established players and established teams. And it's not just the wild game. I saw, you know, I watched that Florida Panthers Tampa game. Same thing. Tampa's an established team. It's won a cup. Um, and Florida, I felt I could care less about Florida Tampa, no. who wins or loses that game. East Coast hockey, Eastern Conference hockey, don't care at all. But it, so I'm impartial in that way. Florida was treated horribly by the refs in that game, in both games. Um, you know, Washington, Boston, both established teams with established superstars. Marchand hit a guy over the head with the stick, hit him in the head with the stick. And the other guy got uh, a penalty. They both got pen, but they, they both got penalties. Marchand got one also. The other guy who I don't even remember who it was. And that's kind of my point is he was such a nameless player. I don't yeah. know who he was. His penalty was for literally standing there and getting hit in the head with a stick. That was the, the coincidental. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been there. <laughs> to get hit with that stick. So my, my overall point is throughout the league, what I'm seeing are the, is this, Again, it's the equivalent of standing in the lane and James Harden running full speed with the basketball at you and running into and you getting the foul. What exactly are, are you supposed to do? But he's James Harden, so he gets the call. 
I don't want that. I, I, I'd rather have it just be either put it in your pocket, call a penalty, don't call a penalty, but just because it's a guy that's been in the league or a star and the other guy isn't, let's not go that way just because it's popular in another sport. Call it both ways, no matter who you – that's that's only fair. you have any, any hope, um, last thing, any hope that this will – change it's game three here at excel energy center on uh on thursday um do you see this sustained mistreatment of the less established wild continuing even though they're on their home ice i do i don't see it as a trend that this is a i see it as a, a battleship that will it just doesn't suddenly turn around it's it's going to take um years for gary bettman to to uh hopefully um either be replaced in some sort of coup. And then um, that's my hope, but you know, I don't see that happening tomorrow or, or today, yeah. but, yeah. but you never know. I, I don't know what's in the works. You know, I'm not some sort of insider. If there is a coup chicken finger 69 uh, in the next 24 hours, it's going to be very suspicious and you're going to be prime suspect. Number one, just want you to uh, know pay my check, pay attention to my bank accounts. Cause I need at least a million dollars to be involved in this. <laughs> Well, you give me a different way to watch the game uh, Thursday night. So I always appreciate your perspectives. Thank you for joining Daily Delivery again today. And we will definitely do this again soon. Thank you. Let's finish with the cooler twins doubleheader in Anaheim today. Not exactly ideal for a pitching strap team to have to make a cross country trip to, uh, to make up those two games they missed because of COVID protocols earlier this season. Um, I think their starters are Lewis Thorpe and, and, and Jose Barrios today, but they've got undecided listed for the t- first two games of the Cleveland series, which starts tomorrow. Um, so there you go. Not exactly ideal for a team that's been slumping anyway and doesn't have a ton of pitching. So we'll see what they're able to get done in this doubleheader on Thursday. That'll do it for me today. Hopefully uh, you, you enjoyed this. Uh, listen in at, at noon or on the bonus podcast today for an in-depth look at the Twins. Good stuff coming up tomorrow as well. We'll recap Game 3 of Wild Vegas, and I'll see you again then.